Welcome to 7 Questions About Death. I'm Beth Jansen. Most people are pretty uncomfortable talking about death. I hope this program can help to change that and make death a more natural topic of conversation. In today's program, I'm speaking with Christina, a psychologist who has lived in Edmonton for more than 20 years. My uncle would joke and call me the funeral singer because when I grew up, I sung at a lot of funerals. Question one. What do you believe happens to a person's consciousness or spirit after the body dies? Wow, that's a big question. I think I'm, I'm a bit undecided. I think there is something larger out there in terms of spirit or there's mystery and things that we can't explain in terms of connections that people have um, or coincidences that come up. Uh, So I feel like there is something else out there, but I don't really know what it is. And I've definitely had some experiences in my life where, you know, I've lost a loved one and I've been visited by them or have had conversations with people that have passed away that felt really meaningful. But I, yeah, I don't claim to have any of insider knowledge on that. I just feel like there's something out there, but I can't make total sense out of it. So have you ever researched or read about near-death experiences because Mm -hmm. what I'm kind of honing in on here is and this is what I'm so curious about is what people believe happens right after the physical body dies Mm. have you thought about that like what do you think Mm. happens when I was in grade eight I remember reading this book about a woman that had a near-death experience um I can't remember her name right now, but it really had a big impact on me. And she supposedly had a near-death experience and then went up to heaven and was given all this kind of wisdom and then came back and reported it. I, again, I, I don't know. I mean, when I was younger, my, my grandmother would, you know, tell really beautiful stories about heaven and what happens and that it's a beautiful place and everybody's together and all those things are really beautiful. Um, there's also the kind of sciencey part of me that, you know, knows when people die that their brain releases a lot of a chemical um, called DMT, which is similar to like a psychedelic trip. Oh, really? And so that that can create some fantasies or um, intense sensory experiences. So again, there's both things could be true, but I, I don't know exactly what happens. I think there's probably something interesting, but I don't know. So you're in a big, I don't know camp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting about the chemical released by the brain. So is that at the moment of death? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. That it's something, it's it's something in the process of like the initial stages of life where your brain kind of has this big explosion of energy. Mm -hmm. And that's why they think maybe there's that life flashing before your eyes kind of idea that that's part of how the body, I don't know, is kind of maybe like a light bulb that's going out or something. Oh. Yeah, it's been a while since I've <laughs> dug into that. So there might be some more like relevant research. There's something, maybe something biological going on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I remember when I was younger, really, really being fascinated 
with that. And I remember buying that book and giving it to my friends and reading it and highlighting passages. And really that gave me a lot of comfort um, that. And then again, my grandmother, what she would talk about is gave me, I had a strong kind of spiritual belief system back then that yeah, really was helpful to me during like that time of my life. Hmm, Thanks for sharing that. Question two. Have you ever been present when someone's life has ended? I haven't, but I do think about it a lot because, you know, I'm in my early 40s and I know that I'm going to lose a lot of people in my life if if I'm lucky to be around that long. And part of me is a bit kind of freaked out by that, like by just like the biological things or how the body might look or how I might react. But another part of me would want to be there for people. And that would be like a very special moment. So I remember when my Oma passed away when I was 13, that my Opa was with her by her bedside for many days. And he went to the washroom and she died. Mm. which I always thought, I wondered if there was like a deeper symbolic meaning there of if she was just waiting till she was alone or if she didn't want him around. But I guess it's something I've thought about. And I think with the close people in my life, I think I would want to be there. So Oma and Opa is um, gram- yeah, grandma, grandmother in like German. Yeah. yeah. So you haven't been there. You haven't been present, but you're willing to be there. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hearing because that was one of my follow-up questions. Yeah. You want Mm -hmm. to be there for the people that are important to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think about my my grandmother who's 92 and a half and I think a lot about her death. I would want to be there for her passing, but when it comes to like a dead body that's like decomposing or like walking in when someone has passed away, I really worry about how I would respond to that. I don't know if if I would handle that well, but if everyone was around and there was like medical support and it was a controlled environment, I think it would be like a very peaceful spiritual experience that I would feel really blessed to be a part of. So what I hear you saying is being there at the transition point, you feel more Mm -hmm. uh, that you anticipate that would be a good experience, Mm -hmm. but coming upon a person Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. even someone that you loved after they had died Mm -hmm. would you are not sure how you would react Mm -hmm. and you think that might be quite a negative experience Mm -hmm. potentially. It scares me a Mm -hmm. bit just because Mm -hmm. of how fast bodies decompose and the stories that other people have told me over the years in my work of coming across people. And I'm just a generally a squeamish person with kind of low, low tolerance for kind of gruesome like things. But who knows, maybe if I had that experience a couple of times, I would habituate to it and it would be a part of life, you know. Well, I'm very squeamish as well, so I can definitely relate to that. Question three. Have you ever experienced communication from someone who is no longer alive in the physical world? Or have you wondered if you were receiving communication from someone who was no longer alive? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was lucky to be visited by a friend that recently passed away suddenly. And um, I had a conversation with him about his his death and about my thoughts about his life. And it was really, it was really meaningful because it was just an honest conversation. It wasn't overly positive or negative. It was just really authentic and really just real. And 
I don't have those kinds of experiences very often. So I, I felt like there was something different about it. And, and when my Oma passed again, when I was 13, I was really close with her and she came to me in a dream about a month after she died. And she just reassured me that she was okay and that she was in a good place and just really like affirmed her love of me. And again, that it just felt like a really calm, settled feeling similar to this recent experience with my friend. But the one, the dream from your grandmother was so strong mm-hmm. that you were very convinced mm-hmm. that she, her spirit was communicating with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It felt very real. It felt like very, I felt very confident in that. So it was, and it was rare. Like it was, it only happened once. So yeah, there's something about it that just really grounded me and just made me feel better. It seemed to have done what was necessary and there wasn't anything else needed perhaps. Mm -hmm. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was helpful. Yeah. So going back, if you don't mind to the conversation that you had with your friend that recently Mm -hmm. passed, were you awake or were you asleep? Or do you mind saying a little more about that? Sure. I was, I was sleeping and um, I think it was a dream and I just talked to him about his life and the circumstances of his death because he died suddenly. And it was, I believe it was suicide. And I just told him what I felt about him. And I also told him that, you know, maybe there were some different things in his life that he could have done differently, but not in a shaming or hurtful kind of way, but just in like a conversational kind of way. Again, it was just being totally authentic and honest. And it, yeah, it was really powerful and it felt healing for me. Like I felt like I could sort of process a piece of that and move forward. That sounds really amazing Hmm. to be able to have a frank uh, conversation with a friend that had passed, just like you were both Mm-hmm. somewhere that you used to be talking together is that mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm getting from you that it was mm-hmm. actually very commonplace but very honest yeah and I think too I knew this person a long time ago so myself as a person has grown a lot and changed a lot so I think my voice is coming from a place of being at this age of my life in this stage of development so I could say things in a different way mm-hmm. you know that might be a little bit more truthful or a little bit more direct in certain ways so wow yeah yeah wow yeah it was it was really it was great yeah thanks for sharing that that's amazing (laughs) question four who do you want to be with you when you die or what circumstances Mm -hmm. would you choose for your own death if you could choose them good question I think I definitely want people around like a like a small group of people that were close to me and my life at that time and yeah I try to avoid the hospital I think a lot of people like to be at home I thought when I was younger I thought a lot about being buried in Lytton where I used to live in BC oh. <laughs> I kind of had this weird obsession with and my friend did too we grew up together of it was so funny I wanted to be buried in the Lytton cemetery with the album of Madonna True Blue that was like that, that was all I wanted it was so hilarious so I love that album so much that was that was those were my instructions as I was younger and then as I got older 
I didn't really think about it. And then when now that I'm older, you know, talking with my husband, we thought, well, maybe we could get cremated because getting buried is kind of like a use of land that isn't the best. And then maybe we could spread our ashes a couple different places that were meaningful to us, like the grounds of the parliament where we had our first date or uh, maybe a little bit in Linton if it's still around, <laughs> if it survives. It's, there's, it's all ashes anyways, but, um, or maybe a little bit in Vernon. What about know. the Madonna album? Is that going <laughs> to oh be gosh. put with your Madonna, I know, I know. I don't, I don't know if it's going to make the cut. Maybe it'll be with me in the incinerator because cardboard will probably That's what I was burn pretty quickly. But I, I don't know. I just had such a like a love of that album and it meant so much to me when I was a child. There might be some mementos, but I don't know if that will I'll make the cut. That's so funny. <laughs> it's pretty random, but... No, it's not random for you. <laughs> okay, so you would like people to be with you and mm-hmm. you would like to be at home. Mm-hmm. Are there any other aspects like... Long illness, short illness, mm. sudden. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, well, let's see. I'd like to order my death. I I definitely don't want a long, prolonged illness. I want to be older for sure. I don't want to die young. I don't want to die in like a tragic way. Like I used to have the kind of nightmares of like a car just going off a cliff and just kind of free falling. And I definitely wouldn't want that because the roads around Lytton are quite treacherous. And I think as a kid, I was like, well, what would happen? And so my brain sort of got that in my mind. Or if you went into water or something, it was the worst way to go, I think. But I just like to live like a long time and have my brain and my body and just kind of peter out in like old folks home with some like nice people around. Old folks home. Yeah. That's an option for you. Okay. Yeah, totally. Like a, like a progressive one. <laughs> Think of what they'll be like by the time mm-hmm. that comes around, right? Mm-hmm. Like a high-functioning one <laughs> where there's, you know, lots of social interaction and support and like... And people playing Madonna. And, yeah, totally, totally. Absolutely. That's, that's a must-have. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just have earbuds will be on all the time. One of the reasons I think this is such an interesting question is some people don't want to have any diminishment of physical strength or they prefer mm-hmm. to die in their prime or they don't want anyone with them they want to die suddenly so i i'm very curious to hear how people mm-hmm. will answer this question mm-hmm. so i was just surprised um when you said you wanted to die at home but then an old folks home came up as an option i was like okay some people really don't like those mm-hmm. of course and mm-hmm. they they basically yeah. would rather die than go to one that's true so that's, that's true that's why i picked up on that because i was like oh okay that's an option <laughs> well i don't really cook so it'd be nice to have some some help with that and, and that's again, practical <laughs> kind of be like something to look forward to maybe if it wasn't horribly bad food <laughs> that's really good <laughs> yeah but i i i feel like that would be Again, if it was a healthy place, my opa, when he passed away, he was in a not the best like mm. long-term care facility. I would definitely want like a nice one. I'd be kind of picky, but but I'd be I'm totally open to it. Where my grandmother, who's 92, she really, really, really would not want that. And I think it would be really bad for her, like mm. mentally. So I respect like that decision and understand that too, because it's just so part so much a part of who she is is that fierce independence 
where I'm like, I'm okay to outsource like some of those things. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'll welcome that when the time comes. <laughs> That's hilarious and very self-aware, I guess. <laughs> what, what you, what would suit you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I just would be okay. People helping out. You're listening to seven questions about death. Today, I'm talking with Christina, a psychologist who lives in Edmonton. You're listening to CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton. If you're interested in being interviewed, or if you have a comment or a question, please get in touch. My email is 7questionsaboutdeath at gmail.com. The seven is a number seven. Question five. How do you feel about the fact that you will die? And are you afraid of death? Hmm. I'm just kind of on the fence about it. I, I would like to feel supported in my life when I die. Like sometimes I worry because... I don't have kids or, you know, I have nieces and nephews, but everybody lives their own lives these days. I worry about like maybe suffering and being alone and not having like good relationships. Because as you get older, people do pass on and it's a part of life, your family, your friends. It's just a reality. I don't think I'm ready to die. Like I, there's things I want to do, but I also don't want to live super long time and like kind of mediocre health either. Like, I think I just want to be like, yeah, I've had a good run. Like, that's a wrap. Like, I don't want to trail on for years and years either. But you accept the fact you're going to die? I guess if it was like on a percentage of like 100%, it's like I'm 100% accepting and zero was not at all. I would say I'm like at 65, 70% accepting of that. Like, I wouldn't say fully, but I'm over the like halfway point. Would you say that you're afraid of your death or sometimes you are, sometimes you aren't? I think there's a fear of hurting my family or missing, like missing out in a way or somehow the finality of it, that that there'd be this divide that I would miss them or be disconnected from them in a way. So I wouldn't want that kind of blackout happening. But yeah, I haven't thought a ton about how how I actually feel about dying. Obviously, it's not taking up your waking hours with anxiety about mm. it happening. So it sounds like you're kind of like, I have an average sort of mm-hmm. sense of, yes, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it isn't something that I think about a lot. Mm-hmm. Would that be correct? It's a good summary. Yeah. I found that really interesting. The 75, 65 to 70. Do you think that's stable? Is that most days? I think so. I think so. I've, I've talked with people that are like, I remember one gentleman I, I worked with in my practice that was in his early thirties and he was very, very scared of dying. And cause he had so many things he wanted to do. I don't feel that I just would, wouldn't want to lose like traditional connection with the world around me or, or again, have hurt people, like have people be in pain because I'm not there anymore. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be fine, but I mean, I wouldn't want to be in a lot of pain, but I think I probably do have like an average B minus kind of acceptance level with death. I don't know. It's somewhere 
<laughs> well, I will be rating every interview to say this person has an A plus and this person has a B minus. <laughs> well, Connected with an idea. <laughs> no, I will not be. Question six. Are there any traditions or practices connected with death which you find meaningful? Well, funerals are, I think, meaningful. I'm trying to remember the last time I've been to one, but my my uncle would joke and call me the funeral singer because when I grew up, I sung at a lot of funerals and that was very meaningful for me. I really remember those experiences vividly and I felt very grateful that I could contribute something of value to those experiences, even though some of the times I knew the people quite well and I was quite emotional, but I I pulled it together for the <laughs> the performance. So anniversaries as well. Like uh-huh. I think about, you know, the anniversaries a few people that I've lost and I reflect on what they mean to me. And I might go through mementos or cards or, you know, with, with my Oma jewelry that she gave me and, you know, just think about her a lot. So those things like the anniversaries are really good opportunities to reflect, but I don't have, you know, growing up, we didn't have any like religious or cultural traditions that we would practice or engage in. So nothing super formal. You mentioned earlier in the conversation about scattering ashes. So that is that something that you find meaningful mm. with other with other people that you've known or mm. simply something that you consider for yourself? I think for for me for sure. I haven't had a lot of experiences of scattering other people's ashes or being given their ashes, although I would totally be into that if someone wanted me to help with that or I was involved with that. Um, but yeah, that would be a nice a nice thing to do. But I'd heard too that there's some, I don't know if there's like bylaws against doing that too. So there are, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Part of me might, might not listen to them, but part of me was a bit of a rule follower too. So I'd have to kind of investigate what would be the best way to handle that. But Well, you can imagine how many people might want their ashes at Graceland, for example. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty messy. I haven't looked into the bylaws. I don't know what they are in Edmonton, but I know there's a beautiful park in city in Ontario that um, where my former father-in-law had died. And I just, I seem to remember like you can't scatter ashes in that park Mm. because of course people naturally would want ashes there. There were a lot of roses. It was a gorgeous Mm. spot. So it seems like a good idea to the first person, but when there are a lot of people do it, then there's people saying, Hey, we have piles of ashes all over the place. Right. (laughs) It's, it's kind of macabre, but it's also amusing at the same time. Right. Mm Because people have the same ideas about doing certain things. Mm -hmm. Actually, a coworker of mine quite a few years ago, her father had passed away. And when she came back from where she had gone for the funeral, then she showed me she had a little vial that was mm-hmm, on a necklace around mm-hmm. her neck with some of his ashes. And I was a little uh, taken aback because mm-hmm. I was quite shocked. But I quickly adjusted thinking this mm-hmm, makes she was so mm-hmm. happy about it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen that too with people. You don't, I don't see it as much. Like it seemed like it was more, I noticed it more like in the 80s, but like, mm. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it in maybe too popular of a place either. I sort of like don't like things that are too popular. So I think out of principle, I'd be like, if too many people want to do this, then I don't want to do it too. So that might weed me out from the super intense bylaw violations. Well, you'd be dead, so you wouldn't be That's true. You wouldn't be in trouble. <laughs> Good point. Good point. There'd be no ticket issued to me at least. 
Question 7. If you could ask a source of all knowledge, whatever that might be, some questions about death, what would you ask? Probably many people would ask what, like, what happens after you die. Or can you communicate with people that are still living? I would like to know that piece because if so, I would want to. Or have some, maybe just like my Oma had some influence on like reassuring that person, some connection. But yeah, that would be be a pretty, pretty awesome uh, situation to have that knowledge. Anything else? Maybe like practical questions like, does it hurt? I think your body kind of pumps a lot of opioids. So you just probably feel pretty good. But maybe I wouldn't want to know because then I would be worrying about it. But Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Do you want to know the answers? That's mm-hmm. true. Maybe someone might not want to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Would you? I think I might in a way that it might inform how you mentioned death informing how you live. And maybe that would be some tips for maybe how to live a little bit differently in life that might not be a bad thing. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a practical application. Maybe it was like, hey, if you're, I don't know, if you're driving on a windy road and you go off of it, it will hurt a lot. So maybe don't do that. (laughs) Like avoid risk aversion. (laughs) I guess some of the, one of the things that I think about though, is let's say there's the pain, that pain is so short compared to eternity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not that that's the way I want to go, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it might be like a trade-off that, mm. a trade-off worth making maybe. Avoiding pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good, I'll have to think more about that. Quick, one more question that you would ask the source of all knowing about death. <sighs> hmm. Would there be anything that I could do in life that would set me up for a better death? Like maybe the idea of karma or there's a lot of ideas about it, of course, in all sorts of religious traditions. But I would just want to know like practically, like what could I do to have a good death and then a good afterlife if there is one? Like how to set myself up for success? (laughs) Great question. (laughs) It's the good student that I am. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to think about like that. Pro tips, I don't know. Pro tips. <laughs> pro tips from the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's a good name for an album. You're listening to CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton. You've been listening to Seven Questions About Death. My thanks to this week's guest, Christina, a psychologist here in Edmonton. I want to take a couple of final moments to give more information on two topics that we touched upon in our lively conversation. The first one is about scattering ashes. I checked online, and to my surprise, it is okay to scatter cremated ashes in the North Saskatchewan River. I read that flowing waterways are acceptable, but enclosed ponds and lakes are not. Of course, I encourage you to check out the rules online before you make big decisions about where to scatter loved ones' ashes. Similarly, it is not prohibited to scatter cremated ashes on provincial lands, such as provincial parks. There are rules to consider, including that the cremated remains be pulverized like sand, and environmental concerns are considered. 
The other question that I was really wondering about had to do with whether it's okay to be cremated with mementos. Christina was enraptured by Madonna's album True Blue when she was a child. I discovered by calling a local crematorium that indeed she could be cremated with the album. Only the cover though, not the actual vinyl or plastic because those would release toxic fumes. It's apparently quite common for people to have letters, photographs, any things that burn without giving off toxic gases. So in all cases, the information is there for you to find out. But I thought I would just say, Christina, if you want to be cremated with True Blue, you can be when the time comes. You've been listening to 7 Questions About Death. I'm Beth Jansen. If you're interested in being interviewed, or if you have a comment or a question, please get in touch. My email is 7questionsaboutdeath at gmail.com. The 7 is a number 7. Thanks for listening. <laughs>